your music box. Hello and welcome aboard the night train with Jeff and Henry. So sit back, relax, and travel with us to the supernatural and beyond. Join us for cocktails and conversations. Tonight's cocktail is delightful. Paige, can you tell us all about it? It is what I call the alien probe. It is. Fresh watermelon, fresh blueberries, lemonade, vodka, and rum. Throw in a blender with ice and pour it in a glass. Blast off. <laughs> no, you're being probed, baby. Wow. <laughs> Still got to blast off to get probed. <clears throat> Tonight, boys and girls, we're going to talk about something that is really interesting to us. And that is alien abductions. They have been recorded throughout history. So, with further ado, Jeffrey, can you tell us a little about what you know? Well, there's uh, several different uh, kind of encounters. Actually, what I got that I know of is uh, seven. And um, <clears throat> those close encounters are the first kind is a sighting in which one or more unidentified flying objects have been spotted. Now this would include objects loosely described as flying saucers, objects which cannot be attributed to a known man technology that appear in the sky, or strange lights for which no rational explanation can be offered. Close encounters of the first kind are the most commonly reported events on the Hynek scale. Now, uh, Mr. Hynek, he's a, a astrologist, and I guess a, a UFOologist. A close encounter of the second kind is one in which a UFO has been spotted, but there is associated phenomena that accompanies it. The phenomena can be a crop circle, terrain damage, scared animals, electronic or mechanical interference. <coughs> Gaps in memory lost time from the person that, uh, you know, uh, experienced it. And also heat or radiation catalepsy, which is basically paralysis. Paralysis? Paralysis, yes. Thank you. Using our big words. Yeah. (laughs) Or a word I I don't use much. (laughs) Or some form of uh, unnatural physical occurrence. Close encounters of the third kind would be those in which a UFO has been spotted, but go further into a visual confirmation of what an animate object that is associated to the UFO. For many years, reports of a close encounter of the third kind was, are the, were the most controversial, <clears throat> as there's, a, there's little way to no way to prove their validity. 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 That too. <laughs> A close encounter of the fourth kind is one in which a human is abducted by an extraterrestrial. In some cases, depending on the many interpretations of this, abduction does include a visitation in which the human is not actually taken aboard a UFO, but is still in custody of the ET while still on Earth. So what you're saying is the alien will just come and visit with you. Yeah, pretty much. And now, a close encounter of the fifth kind is one in which there are there is a bi- <clears throat> bilateral contact with an extra extraterrestrial entity. 
This can be through some audible form of communication or by some form of mental or telepathic communication. The contact can be initiated by either human or extraterrestrial. Extraterrestrial? Yeah. Because um, a lot of the times, which I understand, is uh, people will do uh, a meditation and focus on trying to contact uh, the, the uh, extraterrestrial. Because so let me get this straight. So you're saying that somebody can go out to a field, get into the lotus position, and just meditate for the alien ship to come. Yeah, I think it, uh, it happens a lot in uh, the crop circles or where uh, people have seen the uh, UFO. Hmm. And that's how they try to communicate with them because obviously there's a language barrier there, I'm sure. I think the Greys are really good at um, at doing something like that, contacting through, you know, telepathic communication. Yep, I heard about that too. Mm-hmm. And what else? Well, a close encounter of the sixth kind entails a UFO or its inhabitants directly causing injury or death. So this is not a good one. No. It has been cited numerous times that this is unnecessary as it is already included on the Hynek scale under physical contact. The most controversial encounter to most is a cl- close encounter of the seventh kind. Now, a close encounter of the seventh kind is one in which a human and extra, extra, extraterrestrial mate to pr- produce a hybrid being. This is hardly a new theory. It actually dates back to the ancient Egyptians. According to some translations of the ancient texts, but is still often seen as a as a bit too hard to conceive as possibly in many regards from a biological sense. Well, you know, when you got an alien abduction and the phenomenon of the alien abduction, they have this thing called alien abduction syndrome. Or becoming a UFO abductee. That re- that is just like where people are reporting that they believe they've been they've been kidnapped by an extraterrestrial beings, and subjected to physical and psychological examinations. Psychological, I know I'd fail. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, that would definitely definitely uh, you know psychologically <laughs> scar you for life. Yeah. If you were aboard a, you know, especially if you are strapped to a table and you couldn't do anything. <clears throat> it gets better. Do you know what those people are called that are claiming these things? They're abductees. That's what they're going by now. Uh-huh. Or experiencers. Most scientists and the mental health professionals explain these experiences by factors. Such as suggestibility, false memory syndrome, mm. sleep paralysis, deception, and my favorite is psychopathology. There's a skeptic out there. His name is Robert Schaefer. He wrote about six books dealing on all sorts of things with the supernatural and aliens. He's just like 
there seems to be a similar a similar a similar a similarity. Thank you. <laughs> between some aliens being described by the abductees and those depicted in the 1953 movie Invaders from Mars. That was a good flick. It was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But you know what it kind of reminds me of also is, um, you know, how just in the movie Men in Black, yeah, how they came into contact with uh, aliens, and then the Men in Black, you know, played by uh, Tommy Lee Jones and, and Will the Fresh Smith. Prince. Yep. So, you know, they'll have them kind of uh, contacts, and people see all those things, and then Will Smith uh, whips out the. Uh, the pen, and then you know you look into it and it clicks it and it's it's like erases never... the memory. Yeah, erases the memory. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I there's so many things. Uh, the one thing that I have noticed and I've read a lot about lately is the aliens are interested in our reproductive systems. Oh yeah, because um. It goes back to the Bible and the, the Nephilim and all that. That um, it was written in the Bible about the Nephilim coming down to Earth and, uh, you know, mating with the, the Interspecies breeding. Yeah. Now, I was talking to Paige well, you were, before you got home, and I was just like, so let me get this straight. Somebody, I get abducted. They're going to deck out a room. I'm going to have a really... Fancy-looking romance with an, a female alien. Or do I get a handy from a gray? Well, I guess... <laughs> I'm taking the second. Yeah. <laughs> I, just have a, I just have a feeling that um, it's not going to be as pleasant as that because, you know, they, they probably have uh, different kinds of technology to, to uh, draw your sperm or with a female, uh, you know, the egg... Well, the egg is just part of it, but they also need the fallopian tubes and the whole uterus thing. I can get a, you can get an egg. You can harvest eggs. I understand that, but I mean, what are you going to do? You going to have a test tube, baby? Hey. Probably where they got the technology from that. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, that's all it needs is just the basic uh, egg and the sperm, and then. I think there's even a way that they are they're testing uh, out ways to uh, raise a baby in not only in the tube but in some as it grows older and older in some kind of uh, fluid. I oh, mean, really? That, that just sounds like uh, alien technology right there. You mean the same ambio fluid that all the women in the world that have babies carry their babies in? Yeah. Amniotic fluid. Yes, yeah, more or less. And then, you know, what I was really interested in is I'm looking at the mind control where they can actually erase your memory that you've got no feeling about being abducted or mm -hmm. memory of it. I find that hard to swallow. Well, I think the only way that, that people... Uh, can remember that memory is that you know they're they're kind of something really weird is going on and then they go to like a, a hypnotist 
and then the hypnotist puts them under and then somehow you know they draw the memory out of the abduction and what happened to that person but i mean that's something where i believe that uh you know it's whoever the abductee was is just knows that there's something just not right yeah you know, I mean, honestly, it was just like when we were talking about aliens earlier, we were, I, I, there's the certain protocols that the humans already have established for contact with aliens at the political level. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And then the one thing, the English-speaking countries, especially the United States, their alien abduction stories... The only one that we could really go back to that was widely publicized was Betty and Barney Hill abduction of 1961 in New Hampshire. That's a pretty famous one, too. Yes, it is. And then, of course, in the 1970s, we had the alien abduction narratives found less popular. You know, you look at Betty and Barney Hill, and all I could think of was Betty and Barney Rubble. The Flintstones get abducted. But there, Barney Hill is a really interesting guy. Back in 1961, they were like one of the first interracial marriages. He was a postal worker who also worked for the Civil Rights Movement. I know he was an educated man, and his wife seems very intelligent too. So there was just there's no reason for them to make this up. Yeah, because they might be, especially if they they go to work and you know way back in them day being an interracial couple and, uh, you know having, you know pretty good jobs. Why would they want to make up something like that and just you know mess up their lives? Exactly. I mean, I look at it this way. It's just like, you know, there there has to be something to it. Because why else would they put this out there publicly? Oh, yeah. I mean, how much could they actually think monetarily of gaining? Yeah, I imagine it would be like a really scary thing to do something like that. To put out and, you know, publicize their, uh, you know, their abduction. Anyway, so I look at it this way. It's just like I've heard stories of others that have been abductees. There's that lumberjack out in Arizona. Now, he had a horrific story. Apparently, he was abducted. Then he was gone. Then they found him naked, sitting by a phone, crying. (laughs) And he just isolated himself completely. And, I mean, they talked about his examinations by the Greys, and that was just an awful, awful experience. Jeez, it'd have to be if you're laying out naked someplace and, you know, you don't know what the heck just happened to you. Yeah, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. That freaked me out, too. Apparently, he jumped into the light, and then he was gone. Hmm. But Paige, my compliments to you on your cocktails. Oh, you're welcome. Her homemade one. <clears throat> now, what I have is um, 
different uh, abduction stories around the world. Now, this this one lady, Amy Rylance, and her husband, Keith, and her friend, Petra, were at the Rylance's home. And I hope I don't butch, butcher up this uh, name of this town, but it's uh, in Australia, in a town called Gundaya. But uh, anyways, in October 2001, Petra was woken up at 11.15 p.m. and went into the living room where she was horrified to find Amy being carried in a sleeping position out through the window on a beam of light to a huge ship outside. Petra woke Keith, but by the time he entered the room, Amy was gone. The, the curtain was torn and the bushes outside were burnt. And the pair phoned the police for some help, for some help or, you know, just to uh, let them know that, you know, something really funky's going down. But the police struggled to take the claim seriously. But around 90 minutes later, Keith received a phone call from a woman in McKay, Queensland, an eight-hour drive from Gundaya. She was with Amy, who was in a hospital dazed and dehydrated. No one could explain how she traveled such a short distance in such a short time. But Amy was uninjured, except for a few red marks on her upper thighs and heels. She said she remembers lying down on a bed with tall figures leaning over her, reassuring her and taking samples from her. And when she was found, her body hair had grown considerably, suggesting that she had been gone for much longer than a few short hours that she was missing. So she got whatever uh, spacecraft that was, it was zooming and just dropped her off, I guess, wherever. And now another one that I found interesting was Colonel Shaw. Talk to Yeah, he is one of the one of the earliest report of alien encounters and was written up in the Stockton Evening Mail. In 1896, Colonel H.G. Shaw was traveling with a companion by horse and carriage towards Lodi in California. Suddenly their horses startled and they saw three strange beings at the side of the road. The creatures were slender and humanoid in in appearance, but seven feet tall and bald except for a velvet soft down that covered their bodies. They didn't speak, but warbled to one another as if they kind of like sounded, it sounded like they were chanting. They held lamps that shone unnaturally brightly and seemed to be formed from some kind of glowing material in their, uh, in their light holder, I guess it would be. Shaw said that the creatures possessed a strange and incredibly, an incredible beauty. The aliens attempted to lift Shaw and he felt they wanted to carry him away, but he was too heavy for them. Eventually they moved away, floating just above the ground. Shaw followed them until they reached a huge cigar-shaped spaceship in the air. The creatures flew up into it and disappeared inside a door, and the ship departed as, just as soon as it was lost from sight. So these UFOs, can they can really book. I got a question for you about Colonel Shaw. Was he a full-board colonel? Was he a military man, or you don't know? Uh, yeah, he was a... Uh, I don't know if he was retired, but he was a, like a a full bird colonel. 
Interesting. Yep. <clears throat> so that's what the deal was with Mr. Colonel Shaw. But, um, I mean, obviously around the world, all these uh, aliens are not just in America, but I, I don't know, for some reason, it seems like a lot of reports come from them. Well, and then there's one more that I thought was kind of interesting was from a man, a Hillary Porter from Wales, and claims to have been abducted by aliens countless times. Oh, Hillary Porter. Her life at five years old, she began being um, abducted. She remembers playing in the long grass behind her home. Then a reptilian alien appeared. It had scaly skin and black holes for her nose and mouth. Eh, sounds like a, you know, kind of like a lizard-like thing. But it was only five feet tall and exceptionally strong. It grabbed Hillary and carried her on its disc-shaped disc ship. I'll say that fast five times. Porter was stripped and placed on a bed and then prodded with various instruments. At that point, she blacked out. Years later, she was driving with her husband. She says that their car was suddenly pulled up at a garage, and they both had no memory of how they got there. When she undressed later that day, she had triangular red suction marks on her stomach. And after all of her abductions, Porter suffers piercing migraines, and she has sometimes even woken with bruises and scratches and even bloodstains on her clothes. Porter, who once worked in the Minister, Ministry of Defense, has made drawings based on memories of her alien encounters. She says the beings com communicate with each, other, with each other telepathically and have, sent, and have been sent to extract human genetic material on Earth. So, I think the... Um, it seems like that's one of the ways that the aliens are researching humans is to uh, find out what the uh, what all the genetics that makes a human mm -hmm. probably uh, even you know how to make a a, a baby a clones or clones yeah but um, somehow some way they uh, I guess maybe just um, mix in their DNA with human DNA to make a hybrid, which is a uh, you know a pretty popular idea around the, the people that, uh, that or ufologists um, study. Yeah, I know. I heard that before, and apparently we're too fucking stupid to do anything on our own. We have to be. Made by half a human, half alien. I mean, they always talked about the Egyptians and the pyramids, and then you had the pyramid belt that went all the way to South America. It's just, it's like, I'm sure these people engineered these things, but everyone says that aliens were involved. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they definitely probably have the um, technology to do something like that. Okay, I agree with you there, but I mean, the one thing is also is just like, are we of alien descent? What do you think? Oh, well, I mean, it's possible. 
you know, the people of today are a lot taller than uh, the people, you know, just even a hundred years ago. Well, wouldn't that be through nutrition and... That doesn't mean we're alien. No, yeah. but it does mean that, that we're we're different. I mean, we're it could... it could maybe. Yeah, I was going to say it could be evolution, but then again, maybe evolution was uh, caused by aliens. Because, I mean, they say that, you know, the, the Homo sapien obviously does not look like uh, Homo sapiens of today. No, we're not the knuckle-draggers of yesteryear, but... I don't know. I think our own evolution is done just through humans' design. It is possibly could be aliens. could not be. I don't know. I mean, that does always leave a lot of void. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting theory, though. It is. You know what... Paige, may I have another one of these? Your wife won't be happy because those are strong. You gotta drive home. Yes, I do. <laughs> and then if Paige makes you a coffee, she might knock it over again. <laughs> this is true. So, you know, once you're limited tonight, Henry, I hate to do this to you. One cocktail tonight. Because I does have like three or something alcohols. What was your pour ratio? I don't know. I didn't measure. I just poured. That's my problem. <laughs> she won't write it down. Just like some of her recipes. Was that good? It was. Yeah. This is a lot of fun to drink. Alpha beaker. I actually, I am drinking out of, because of we're doing the probes with the aliens, Jeff and I are drinking out of science beakers. Lab yeah. glassware. And then Paige made uh, some a very tasty meal with chicken. And um, Brussels sprouts. And when I looked at them, they looked like uh, male alien uh, scrotums. Because they were green and just, you know, round and it just looked like scrotums. They were good, God damn it. Just leave it at that. Well, I didn't eat mine. I didn't eat mine. You don't like Brussels sprouts. So, I thought, because usually when Paige uh, throws something together, it's, it's usually really good. So, um, you know, I gave, it a, I gave it a try. But, you know, those kind of things always taste like, like they always taste. Just that sour kind of... Uh, okay, we get it. So what about vegetable that, that, taste. that documentary slash movie we watched last night? Last night about that oh, psychologist. Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Yeah, remember that one? Yeah. I watched it many a times because it's very interesting. So tell us about it, Jeff, since Henry was, you enthralled Henry with it. Yes, yesterday we were in the parking lot and he engaged me on this great story. It's hotter than hell and I'm standing there panting and I'm like, I don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> drinking wine and drinking beer you're good yeah she had a practice in Nome Alaska and um, a lot of people have been having a whole bunch of weird um, feelings and weird uh, sensations and then she'd put them under hypnosis and um, 
they would recount to her while under hypnosis <coughs> that uh, they had had an alien contact. And it always started off with them seeing an owl. But I guess the owl was just like something in the back of their mind that reminded them that they they were abducted and that um, the aliens did whatever to them. And it drove some people crazy. I mean, uh, one guy uh, ended up... It drove him so crazy that he just snapped and ended up shooting his family. That's not good. No. Wasn't it a murder-suicide? Yeah, because he... The cops surrounded the house, obviously, after that, and they tried to talk him out of it. And then she showed up to try to talk him out of it because that was... uh, She was his uh, psychiatrist. So when all this happened with all these other different people and one guy freaking out and then all of a sudden he rose above his uh, above his bed and you mean he levitated yeah he levitated and uh, just was freaking out and then so after all these patients of hers were um suffering from these uh psychiatric uh you know uh i guess similarities yeah so then the police were starting to think that maybe she has something to do with it and it's not aliens at all so and the thing that was that kind of caught her i think caught her interest was way back her husband disappeared and i don't think they ever found him again but she she was trying to tell everyone that it was, you know, an alien abduction. But, of course, you know, she was very... Because, you know, she's... I don't think at the time she really believed it in it and that kind of thing. But there's something that she couldn't deny about it. And then uh, she had a little daughter that was also um, abducted. And they... The really? police blamed her, too, for that. Wait, didn't she give the blind? The daughter? Yeah. So it was just a whole different kind of weird things going on. And in, uh, I guess in Nome, Alaska, they have a lot of sightings out there. But um, it was weird because they had, uh, at one point, after the daughter... Uh, I don't know, disappeared or whatever. I'm just trying to go off my my memory of the whole thing. I was half tired watching it anyways. But uh, after the daughter was gone, they kept her house under watch and they had a, a sheriff uh, positioned outside of her house. And that was the trippiest part is because he saw uh, like an aircraft going over the house and stopping in bright light. And he had it recorded on his uh, his camp cop and, uh, inside the um, his police car. Yeah, and uh, then after that, the uh, you could see the look on the, on the uh, officer's eyes, the sheriff's eyes, and he was freaking out, trying to call in for backup and everything, and all of a sudden, you know, just a bunch of... Nothing uh, worked. Yeah. You know, I heard about that, that if, you know, if there, a UFO 
is above you, sometimes the power in your vehicle just like completely shut down. Mm-hmm. And it draws all the energy away. Yeah, because I think, um, yeah, Barney and Betty were like that. Yeah, they sure were. Their car stopped. But when they woke up the next, uh, I don't know how many hours later, it's just unbelievable what these people were subjected to. Yeah, and it's such a, a crazy, crazy tale to tell that, you know, there's no way anyone's going to believe it. Especially back then when, In 19- you know, UFOs were not, not even a thing. Well, yeah, they were. I mean, on the Twilight Zone and on TV and Outer Limits, of course, and in the movies. Well, I'm just talking about, like, personal reports. Of, oh, no. Yeah. Because, I mean, in the... In ho- excuse me. In Hollywood, that was obviously, you know, something that... You know, Hollywood movies kind of portrayed as... Uh, you know, different ways the UFOs are. And then you had War of the Worlds, which was a completely different um, UFO story. Well, that was Orson Welles. Yeah. But that was a... That story was so believable that, uh, you know, that there was thousands of people that thought it was real. And they... they uh, for Took some up re- arms in New Jersey. Yeah. For some reason, they um, they weren't... It wasn't pointed out that this is just a story. And so that part got cut out. And so people thought actually that there was a alien invasion going on. Going on because back then they didn't have TV. They just had radio. So that freaked out a whole bunch of people. And they were calling into the, the radio station and, you know, just overloading, overloading the... The uh, switchboard. switchboard about the whole thing. Well, I know that Orson Welles actually had to pay dearly for that. Well, I'll tell you what, it got him in the public eye for that, that thing. <laughs> well, boys and girls, at this time I'm looking at the witching hour, and I do believe it's time for us to call it a night. I just want to say thank you to all of our fans out there and all of our listeners. We appreciate each and every one of you. So thanks again, and have a good night. Oh, and we're also on Patreon now, so find us there if you want us to continue doing this and to help us pay for our cocktails.